en een hartelijke goeie morgen. Welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord. En Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Kry dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Van jou oor, na jou hart, na jou mond, na jou voete. Word deel van hierdie leven op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. Dis waar jy ingeskakel is. Hartelike goeiemorgen en baie welkom lekker om weer saam met jou in die atelier te kan wees en saam met jou te kan keier tot en met 12 uur. The opposite uh, on the far opposite side of the studio, Rocky, good morning, my brother, can you hear me loud and clear? Good morning, I can hear you loud and clear, thank you. Right, uh, fantastic, Pastor Rocky is Stevens from uh, Benoni Bible Church, with us in uh, Scriptural, Scriptierlik volgend, en uh, dis die program waar jy kan kom, vraag, vraag, tot het by jou oor uitloop. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with, even if it's lifestyle questions, uh, we've got one this morning that, uh, it's, it's a kind of a, it's a strange question, let's put it that way. It's a very strange question and uh, some people already early on the button this morning. So as jy wil deelneem aan die program, dan stuur jy vir ons een WhatsApp, jy tik om uit en kan ek een kantlijn opmerking maak dat jy die skrifgedeelte dan ook insit waarover jy onduidelikheid het. Um, iemand het een vraag gevraag oor iets wat uh, ek denk een keer in die Bijbel voorkom, volgend, maar glad nie die skrifgedeelte gekoteer nie. It just makes life a little bit easier if you quote the scriptures as well uh, when you ask these questions. Are you ready? Do you have a pen and paper handy? Is your cell phone contacts open? Well, you should store this number under your cell phone favorite contacts because we use it for anything and everything here in studio. The number that I'm talking about, our WhatsApp number, 082-657-2729. Don't have to worry about Elon Musk. He bought a Twitter. For Twitter, you have to pay. This one is for Mahala, free Gratis en verniet. 082-657-2729. Dis die nommer waarin jou vraag stuur. Iemand sê dalk iets of het iets kwijt geraak. En dan sê vriend van my daar in Port Elizabeth. Laat ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind nie. Maybe you're listening to this radio program this morning, not t- taking part, just listening to it. In general, can I ask that you pray for Pastor Rocky? That uh, you pray for us here in studio. That uh, what we share is God's undiluted word. That our main focus would be to point you to our Creator, our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, Jesus, our Master, that we point you to God's Word, first and foremost. And remember, there comes a responsibility with what you hear, because you need to go and search the Scriptures to see if these things are so. That being said and done, let's kick off the program, and uh, we've got uh, literally just under an hour to go. Around about 5 to 12, we have to say, Aliva Darshin, greet you, and uh, the next person will be up. Rocky, if you're ready, we've got a question. Will we see Adam in heaven? Will we see Adam in heaven? What an interesting question, because uh, I know he doesn't have a belly button, 
That's the one thing. That's, I suppose, how you will recognize him. Because uh, God made him from the dust. Uh, will we see somebody without a belly button in heaven? What do you think, my brother? What does yeah, the scripture a, say? A, a charitable answer to that question would be, I'm not sure. That would be the, the charitable answer. And, yeah. and the reason why I say that that is charitable is that that would be charitable towards Adam. But it also might be charitable toward many listeners. Because who really knows the heart of man? Yeah. Who knows the real root? We get to see the fruit of of a person and there's a biblical kind of an expectation that believers have on one another in regard to the fruit that somebody ought to show in their life. If the root is rotten, most likely you got the fruit that is gonna then the fruit is going to be rotten. But it's God who sees the heart. You know, he even our Lord Jesus was frustrated with the Pharisees because they honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from God. And so there you had people that seemingly were righteous on the outside, but the inside was rotten. And so this is why I say that that is the charitable kind of a an answer. You know, you got um, a passage like um, Revelation 2 verse 23, which says, And I will kill her children with pestilence, and the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give each one according to your deeds. So it's Jesus who searches the minds and the hearts and gives according to each deed an echo of something like Jeremiah 17.10, which says, I, Yahweh, search the heart. I test the innermost being, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And so in the end of um, each one, in the end, each one really will give an account before the Lord, including somebody like Adam. And so Romans fourteen twelve says, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. It's appointed once for man to die and then judgment. And uh, Romans six twenty three, you'll remember that passage, and I'm sure many listeners will even know that off by heart, for the wages of sin is death, death yeah. but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So one must have received the gracious gift of God which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, if they are to inherit eternal life and to go to heaven. So what an important phrase. Jesus must be the one that you've received so that you will then receive eternal life. And if the one does not receive him, then he will not be their Lord. And so you've got to ask the question, well, was Jesus Adam's Lord? Is Jesus my Lord? If both of those are true, then you will see Adam in heaven and because Adam has Jesus as his Lord yeah. and you have um, Jesus as your Lord. And that means that you have then been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Like Colossians 1 verse 13 to 14 says, it says this about Jesus who rescues us from the authority of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of his son of his love in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we must have the forgiveness of sins if we are to enter heaven. Adam would need the forgiveness of his sins if he is to enter into heaven. So, But how does one receive then the life in Christ? And Romans 10 puts it in a very simple yet absolutely profound way. Romans ten thirteen: For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. saved. Oh, That's right. how somebody gets to heaven. Now the question is then, did Adam call on the name of the Lord. Well, him and his wife walked and talked with the Lord. They did in the garden before they yeah. sinned. Yes. And um, now the question is, after he had sinned and after he's did cast he out, of, out of Eden, did he yeah. call on the Lord? And now salvation is as simple as looking to Jesus and living. 
he paid the price for our sins. You remember John 3.16. I mean, this is yes. a verse we know so well. For Who's God so, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But the problem comes with a few verses later, which is John 3 verse 19 to 21, which often gets left out, I think. And this is the problem is that many actually prefer the darkness. Yeah. instead of coming to the light. And John three nineteen to 21 says this, and this is the judgment, that the light is coming to the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifest as having been done by God. And that leads you to think about a passage earlier on, like John chapter 1, 10 to 13, where our Lord Jesus has just, uh, where it's spoken of there of our Lord Jesus coming, and it says this, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, and here's the hopeful part, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, mm. who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So now we can deal with the question, as we think through that as a backdrop, will you see Adam in heaven? Is It's starting with a presupposition that then I'm going to be in heaven, right? So yeah. the presupposition is I'm going to be in heaven, but why am I going to be in heaven? Well, I've believed in the Lord Jesus. I've turned to him, the biblical Jesus. Yeah. The only Jesus that we can have real life in is the Jesus of the scriptures. And so the question then is, well, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus? Because that's the only way that you will receive eternal life and be in heaven and repented of your dead works and repented of your dead deeds have you recognized your utter helplessness your utter helplessness and hopelessness in regard to being able to save yourself and then turning fully to jesus the jesus of the bible for the forgiveness of sins and then the question is well is jesus your lord if he's your Lord, you then will have eternal life. Can I ask you a question here? We, we, we say it on the assumption that we are spiritually reborn. Indeed. We are rebirthed. Yes. Now, that comes with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That knowledge, understanding of being rebirthed comes with a calling on the Lord and saying, Lord, because of that, I can testify it's no longer I that live, it's Christ now who lives in me. Yes. But prior to that, not only Adam, we're talking about a whole Old Testament, mm. millions of people, thousands, literally, of people. Uh, somebody said the other day, Rocky, and I stand to be corrected here. Please help me out on this one. As long as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go to heaven. Mm. But now the Bible says the demons believe and they shudder with fear. Yeah. Uh, can I point you to John 11 and verse 46? In the Afrikaanse vertaling says, In um, sommige van hulle het in Jesus gegloe. Daar staan het, voor verse 45. Maar het sê, because of the Pharisees, they did not follow Jesus for fear of being banning, being banned out of the, yes. the, the, the temple. Yes. Are these guys saved? There is a superficial kind of a faith yeah. that you see earlier on in the, in the Gospel of John as well, many that believed in him, but as soon as the going got tough, they yeah. left. You know, and it's yeah. kind of like that seed that fell on the ground that it, it sprouted up nice and quickly, but uh, then the cares of this world and the love of this world right. r- wrapped around it. And um, and and the the passage you mentioned earlier 
is found in James, where James says, oh, but you say that you have faith, but your faith without deeds is dead faith. Yeah. You need to be able to have deeds that match this faith, because even the demons believe like that. They know that God is real. It's not enough knowing that they're real. There's this faith that we're talking about, this believing that is a true biblical kind of a faith, is the kind of faith that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. And the Old Testament saints had the same faith that saved the same way that New Testament saints do, except they were looking forward to the coming Messiah, and they believed in the promises of God, and that was enough because they believed God. God said it, that's enough for me. And they lived out an obedient way of living as a result of this faith. Not a living a certain way to get faith, but living a certain way because of faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. And then you'll remember that Hebrews 11 actually goes through the hall of faith. And that would be one of the passages that I would even appeal to um, as I think through this this question regarding Adam. Because now we we can see that that the only way that you actually go to heaven is by being born again, as we've mentioned. It's by being saved. It's by believing in Christ. It's looking to him and and living. But also Christ becomes your Lord. As that true faith takes root in your heart, Jesus becomes your Lord. And I think that's where James even would say, but this faith that doesn't have works is dead faith. All right. Why will this faith have works? Well, because Jesus is your Lord now. You're now no longer underneath Satan or underneath the kingdom of darkness. You have been transferred into the kingdom of his son. So then we can come back to this question about Adam. Did this happen with Adam? Yeah. And we actually don't see any evidence of that wow. in the scriptures. We don't see Adam mentioned in, um, in, in Hebrews 11. We know that Hebrews 11, actually the first guy that it talks about there was Enoch, which was seven yeah. generations from Adam, that it speaks about Enoch's faith, but yeah. it doesn't speak about Adam's faith. And the last thing that you actually hear from the mouth of Adam, yes, there is Adam naming Seth, but you don't see um, the words, you know, you don't have inverted commas, the, the words of, of Adam. But the last words of Adam that you see are quite telling of his character at this point, which was very corrupted in Genesis 3 verse 12, where Adam and, and man said to God, as he gives this excuse about the fact that he'd sinned, he says, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. That's the last words of Adam. That you actually see in the Bible. Accusing God. He still lived from, yeah, almost more than 900 years after this. So there's, and then we have the last recorded words of Adam there in the Bible. And then we've got God later on, Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, where then, um, then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And at the end of chapter 3 of Genesis, God drives man out of the garden, and he sets a guardian cherub at the, as a guard at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. And that's quite telling. And then in chapter 4, listen to what Eve says. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man with the help of Yahweh. We see what seems to be the evidence of faith in Eve, but we never ever see any evidence of faith in Adam. And so that is quite telling. The last that we see of Adam really is in the account 
um, in the Genesis account is in chapter 5, where Genesis 5 verse 3 to 5 says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son of his own likeness according to his image and named him Seth. And then the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years. So in other words, 800 plus 130, he lived 930 years and became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Now here's where I lean. And so this is where um, I would say cautionarily to our listener that this is my um, perception of what we see within the scriptures. I lean towards believing that we won't see Adam in heaven. And wow. so that's that's my my yeah. take on this based on what we see within the, the scriptures. And and here's a few reasons. Adam lived nine hundred and thirty years after he was created. During this time he was able to see eight generations. He died while Lamech was born already. Lamech was the father of Noah. So now what happened during this time? How corrupt the world became during these days. And now, near the midpoint of Adam's life, somebody like Enoch was born. And you've got Genesis 5, verse 22 to 24, which says this, Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. For 300 years, Enoch was walking with God, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So what we see there is that it was possible for man to walk with God east of the Garden of Eden. What Adam had in the Garden of walking with God, Enoch has years later. But we read nothing of Adam walking with God once yeah, more. Yeah. There's no evidence of this. We have story. six generations from Adam. There's this man named Enoch. Six generations. Yeah. Adam's still alive at this point when Enoch is alive. But we see nothing of Adam and Enoch walking with God, we only see Enoch walking yeah. with God. You know, then we, we've got Noah is alive just after somebody like, you know, but, and Seth had just died when Noah's born. Seth is just a direct, um, you know, he's part of um, Noah's lineage. But a third generation from Adam is still alive when Noah is alive. That's quite something to actually comprehend and think about. And he likely got to meet Enosh. Canaan, Mehalalel, Jared, Methuselah. It's altogether possible that Methuselah actually died in the flood. And, you know, he was known wow. to be the recorded last, well, the, the longest, the, the oldest man to have lived as far as recorded. You know, there may have been other men that weren't recorded as far as they were living. And Lamech actually died just before the flood. Lamech was the father of Noah. So Noah got to meet and live at the same time as the third generation from Adam. That's quite something. Yet, what was happening in the world at this time? It was just getting more and more wicked. It saddened God that he made it saddened man. God. Yeah. So it would seem that Lamech, Noah's dad, actually was a righteous man. We, 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 we can take that out from what we see in Genesis 5.29. Now, he called his name Noah. This is Lamech calling his son Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the pain of our hands arising from the ground which Yahweh has cursed. So it would seem from that that Lamech actually was righteous and that he was starting to feel a level of this this curse thing this you know we need rest from this we're looking for this promise that was given in Genesis 3 verse 15 and Lamech died just before the flood happened and as i said the the oldest man recorded Methuselah very likely died actually 
in the flood, and that yeah. I'm just hypothesizing. But listen to the sad account of what God saw when he looked at humanity. Genesis 6, 5 to 8. Then Yahweh saw the evil of man, and it was great on the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And Yahweh regretted that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved to his heart. And Yahweh said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animal to creeping thing and to birds of the sky. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh. So in all the accounts pre-flood, we don't see Adam featuring much at all really yeah, yeah. we don't see anything positive said about him it's so mm. sad isn't it yeah it's sad and 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 the influence that he had on subsequent generations doesn't seem to be a positive one another reason that i would lean this way is first timothy 2 verse 14 which says this and it was not adam who was deceived but the woman being deceived fell into the trespass now why would i lean towards this because of a verse like this adam willingly apostatized he willingly sinned in the garden. Eve didn't. Eve was deceived. Adam jumped into it. This is one of the reasons that the generations from Adam would receive this curse. And that's why Genesis 3 verse 15 is given as this what is many times called the pre-evangelion, the pre-gospel, where the promise is given to Eve and said to Eve, from your seed will come one who will crush this, the head of the serpent, but he will bruise his heel. And so that's one of the reasons why Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary is because it was from the seed of Eve, not the seed of Adam, that the Savior would be born. Now, interestingly enough, Adam Ooh. blames God and blames Eve for his sin. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. repent. He has a sorrow that leads to death, not a sorrow that leads to life. Eve didn't blame God like Adam did. And she didn't even blame Adam, who was right there with her. She doesn't say, this husband that you gave me was a pathetic individual who didn't protect me from the serpent. He should have stepped in and actually kept me from this. And what you see in the account as well is that God had commanded Adam not to eat of the tree. What does Eve say to the serpent? God said, don't eat it, don't touch it. Adam was the one who actually had to relay the information to Eve. Yeah. And he added some information. All right. I want to say something. Uh, one listener, and let's keep him anonymous, is saying, how can we judge Adam just because his name is not mentioned? Uh, who are we to even do that? And here comes that word judge. We're not judging him. We're now, we're now looking at scriptures to say, where does it fit into the whole picture? I'm looking at Romans five twelve. He says, for by one man sin entered into the world. And what an incredible tag to have around your yes. neck. And, and, and through him came death and sin. And so death passed on to all men. For by all have sinned up to where we are now. But as this listener is, is saying, we're not judging Adam here. We're not playing God. We're just saying, uh, and you're using the words, I'm leaning towards. Yes, yes, leaning towards, hypothesizing, yeah. Yeah. taking a number of scriptures, looking at this, but also calling on our listeners to, to search their own heart and see, have I looked to Jesus that I will live? Yeah. Am I looking to him or do I somehow think that I'm going to enter heaven based on my own human works, my own human efforts, my own human thinking, 
we need to have the scriptures and the scriptures and alone in that sense. And we have to talk about it because Indeed. I'm yet to meet the man who's on his way to hell. Uh, uh, you know, uh, everybody that I've met are on their way to heaven. Not everybody wants God to be there when they pitch up. Yeah, when we're trying to make ourselves look better, we we think of men that are worse than us. And yeah. We compare ourselves to them there. When we covetous, we compare ourselves to somebody that's got something more than us. Yeah. So definitely. And the New Testament as well, like the passage you read in Romans 5, looks at Adam as a type of the flesh. And as yeah. at Jesus as the new Adam, as the type of life. You know, yeah. Eve is mentioned as the mother of all living. But in a sense, you could say Adam is almost the father of all dying in, in yeah. that way. Yeah. Uh, the old man in the flesh referred to as Adamic, but the new man in the spirit referred to as attributed to Christ. Another passage that's quite telling is, is in Hosea 6, verse 6 to 7. And this is, I think, another passage that, that moves me towards leaning that way. Hosea 6, 6 to 7 says, For I delight in loving kindness rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam, they have trespassed against the covenant. They, there, they have dealt treacherous, treacherously against me. And so there's still this comparison in Hosea's day of this treacherousness. And Hosea's day is right there after the return of Babylon. Um, you know, you got this uh, there with Nehemiah and, and Ezra, that type of age, 400 years before the Christ. And he's saying, you guys, the way that Israel is behaving is like Adam behaved. They're turning away from me. They're, they're apostatizing in that type of a sense. You know, and so, so this is this is where I would lean because we don't see Adam spoken of again in any positive light throughout the scriptures, and it would seem like he kept walking away from God. Um, and so, it is a, a, a hypothesis. And we don't, um, we are not God, and that's why I said in the beginning that uh, that to be charitable, yeah. we we could say we're not sure. Yes, but that's also being charitable to every listener. Yeah, because who knows the hearts of men. God does. And that would be, I think, the point that I would want to make at the end of this is that God knows the heart. But the the responsibility is on to you to call upon the name of the Lord and to be saved, to turn away from your own stubborn way. The book of Proverbs says that there's a way that seems right in a man's eyes, but its end is destruction. We see that in Adam. Adam went his own way. Instead of listening to the Lord, he willingly jumped into sin. Instead of turning towards God's way, towards God's word, he would allow himself to turn aside. And this is the call for, for us, a cautionary call from somebody like Adam. And to learn from what we see from Adam, turn to Christ and live. Do not apostatize. Somebody else that was an apostate was somebody named Judas. No, Remember yes. what happened mm-hmm. with Judas? Yeah. He walked with Jesus for three years. He knew Jesus. And, and yet, at the moment that he could get something out of Jesus... He sells him for 30 silver pieces. And did that satisfy him? Never. He runs back to the Sanhedrin and he throws the coins at them. And he says, no, please let him go. He's an innocent guy. You know? And they say, no, no, we, we got nothing to do with this. He ends up going away and he hangs himself because there is a sorrow that leads to death. And there is a sorrow, however, a repentance that leads to life. Yeah, well, this uh, anonymous listener, his name is right in front of me. I'm not going to mention him. Came back once again and said, we should all examine our own hearts because we are all sinners. Amen to that. Amen. And yet the gospel is that Christ came 
and he has made a way for sinners. And that's that point of what we saw in Romans, is that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so we can turn to Jesus and we can live. We don't have to go the way of the world. We don't have to go the way of sin. We have a, a presented Savior for us. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. But the question is, have you called on the name of the Lord? Yeah. And the other question I think that, that stems from that is, do we make an excuse for our sin? Because mm. it's so easy to, oh, but we're all sinners. All right. We're all sinners, and we make an excuse for that. No, no, there's no excuse for sin. We need a Savior for our sin, because the wrath of God abides on anyone that has not got that punishment paid for. Rocky, time, time is running out on us, and we need to move on. But let's go straight to the heart. How will I know? Rocky, if I have a veil over the heart, I'm just talking about my own life here. Can you answer this one? Uh, because up to the age of 26, I thought I'm okay. I was going to go to heaven. No problem. But only on the 26th birthday that night, 10 to 11 that night, the Lord Jesus Christ saved my soul. When I cried out to him, how will I know if I'm saved or not if I have a veil over the heart? So many listening this morning, uh, Matthew saying, broad is the lowered road that leads to destruction so many thinking i'm okay if i am to search my own heart this morning as this listener rightly say if i'm not reborn how will i know that i'm not rebirthed how will i know that i'm actually saved if there's a veil over my heart what do i say to people listening to this program because some people get annoyed how who are we who do we think we are to judge adam and yet we're not sure if we are saved ourselves how will i know i I think that that part of that would be something of what i read in john 3 verse 19 to 21 and you'd ask yourself where am i walking am i walking in the light or am i walking in the darkness because this is what it says in John three nineteen to 21, and I'll remind us again of that. It says, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light. Where are your affections? And I think that would help you to see if you've got a veil over your heart. What are you loving? You know, what, are, what are you chasing after? What is it that you're desiring? And where are you going in your life? Are you chasing after sin, or are you turning toward the Savior? And the reason that they loved the darkness is because their deeds were evil. And it says this, for everyone who does evil hates the light. So then you ask yourself, what am I doing in my life? What am I desiring and what am I doing? Am I doing evil deeds? And you you know that in your conscience. Many a times you will put your, uh, you will try and put your, your, your conscience down and you will have it almost squished or quenched. But what are you doing? Are you, are you doing evil deeds? And they hate to come to the light if yeah. you're doing evil deeds. Yeah. And yeah. so the thing that happens, even what what would have happened with you if, if uh, at that 26th birthday, you would have gone, yeah, some stuff that I've been doing that's actually really evil. Yeah. And, and I'm in trouble with God. Yeah. I, have a, I have an issue because my biggest problem is a God problem. It's not any of these other problems that I have. And the reason I have a God problem is because God is holy and God hates sin. And therefore, I need to be made right with God. And then it says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. Yeah. We want to do the same thing as Adam. We want to cover it up. We want to get behind the fig trees and, Blame and hide behind the mm. trees because we don't want to come because we love that evil. But he who practices the truth comes to the light All right. so that his deeds may be manifest as having been done by God. And so we need 
God's grace, we need to be turning to him. And I think one of the simple things would be to cry out to the Lord and to say, Lord, you know my heart. I battle to even know my heart. My heart is deceitful and wicked. That's what the scriptures say about my heart. And you know the heart. So please search me, Lord. Try me. Mm. See if there be any way in me that is wicked and turn me away from this. And then to go to our Bibles and to simply to trust this is what God has said. And then yeah. to go to our, our, the Bible and go to a book like the book of John, for example, or First John would be a great book because First John deals with how do I really know? Yeah. And I think there's about 11 tests yeah. to really know if you believe. So if a listener is listening and they go, well, I don't actually know if I really have a veil on my heart or not. Yeah. First John is a, a book to go to that is marvelous. Yeah, it's wonderful. Go yeah. and study First John. Spend some say, time in there. Yeah, exactly. If we say. And, go and, and, and that gives you a number of questions. <laughs> How can I have assurance yeah. about whether or not I have a veil on my heart or not? And the joy is that the veil of Christ's body was broken, the book of Hebrews says, so that the veil that separated us before holy God could be broken from top to bottom and that we can come into the presence of God. So mm. cling to Christ, look to Christ, and know that in Him you can live. All right, I get in my Bible geschreven, daar in the book of the eerste brieven, algemene brieven van Johannes, a toets for elke gelovige om te kan kyk of jy werkelijk gered is of nie. Go and read it. If we say, verse 1, if we say, verse 9, with verse 8. Matt Fulhoun, bye dankie. Yeah, uh, old faithful, a brother in the Lord. That's listening this morning. Uh, Matt sê, bye dankie, goeie studie daar oor, um, oor Adam. As ons ernstig na Rocky luister, daar word ons herinner om ons self te onderzoek en te herken dat het verstaanbaar is om ook tot diezelfde gevolgtekking as Rocky te kom, to come to that same conclusion, and I'm just wondering why the other guy is getting so upset. Who are we to judge? Yeah, we need to search ourselves. Let's move on. Matt, lekker om jou raak te lees, daar op uh, WhatsApp, uh, stuit laat ons Matt weer intrek ook, en uh, ons brandpunt is, lekker om vir jou uh, daar raak te sien. Shall we move on? We've got a, another question. If you've got a question to ask uh, this morning, you're most welcome to do that. Oh, wait, Six five seven two seven two nine. Are angels human? Uh, and uh, I see you've posted another question. Genesis nineteen verse five to three. My question is: a man who wanted to sleep with angels, and angels who wanted to sleep with human. Those angels are human. What does the word of God say? Uh, with regards to that, uh, a question that came from someone uh, also, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's go to uh, OK A Jesu. That's the name that's, uh, am I pronouncing it correct? Oak Oak O Jesu that asked this question. Uh, angels, are they human? Hmm. Rocky, what do we answer this uh, listener? Yes, um, and so so this this is a great. It's great that you're listening. Okay, I Jesu. I'd say that's probably how you'd read it. And um, and last week you did post a question, and you posted a similar one now. And so I'm thankful that you've done that. And there in Genesis nine ver- nineteen verse five, you've got the two angels that come to Lot, and they you actually have the three angels at first that come and they get seen. And in chapter 18 of Genesis by Abraham, and they actually eat with him, and you find out that one of them is actually the angel of the Lord. You've got a pre-incarnate version of Christ yes. that appears there with him and eats with him, and he even says to his wife, I've seen God, and yet I've, I've been a- allowed to live. And, and so in Genesis five verse, uh, 19, verse 5, this is the, what the passage is, and they called to Lot, 
and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them. They wanted to have sexual intercourse with them. It's all the men of the city of Sodom that come out and young and old, and they want to basically rape these angels. And verse 1 speaks of them, these two angels, as two men. As it says, two men were coming. Uh, Genesis 19 verse 1 says, And the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Lot saw them and rose to meet them and bowed down his face to the ground. And so they spoken of as angels, not men in that same sense. But in, in chapter 18 verse 2, we see the angels described there. And it says, And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing nearby he saw and he ran from the tent of his door to meet them and he bowed down to the earth and chapter 18 verse 22 says then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before Yahweh so he stood with one of these angels which is then spoken of as Yahweh and the other two go into to Sodom verse 33 tells us that um, that that this was Jesus, because it says this, and as soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, Yahweh departed, and Abraham returned to his place. So one of these three is mentioned as Yahweh. So these two angels are described as men throughout the whole account. They So they would have looked like men, they would have had the features of men, they would have had the appearance of men, but they're not men, they're angels. Yeah, yeah. And, and an angel is a messenger spirit. And so it would seem that that at times these angels are allowed by God to take on human form and to look like a human. So these two angels are described that way. I mean, Genesis 19, 12 says, and the two men said to Lot, Genesis 19, verse 6, and he hastened and the men seized his hand. So you see them mentioned as men the whole way through this account, but they're not man in the same way as what we are man. They're angels. They're angels that look like men, that are have the features of men. Genesis 19, verse 24, and Yahweh reigned on, and this is the passage where it's a fascinating passage, actually one of my favorite in the Old Testament, where you see um, two persons of the Holy Trinity, where you see the one angel of the Lord was really Yahweh himself. And it says this in Genesis 19, 24, and Yahweh reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. And so you've got Yahweh reigning this fire from yeah. Yahweh, in heaven. So these angels were not men in the sense of being from Adam. They weren't from Adam. They would have been created beings. And again, angels were created at a specific number. We know that a third of the angels fell with Satan, but another two thirds were left in heaven, numbering probably more than the stars of heaven, myriads upon myriads in that sense. But they were angels and not men. They had the appearance of men. So, um, you know, you've got another, other passages to lean on regarding this. Hebrews 13 verse 2 intimates that how we might even think of angels as actually being men and not necessarily know. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says this, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Yeah. So we see that even in New Testament times, angels may look like men, but you actually don't know that it's an angel in that sense. So Hebrews 1 verse 14 tells us some of the purpose of angels, which says this, are they not all ministering spirits sent to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? There we see part of the purpose of angels, but they are ministering spirits. But we see throughout the scriptures at times that these ministering spirits take on what looks like man form 
in that sense. And I wonder to myself, and as I think through this question, I wonder if the two men that we see as angels in Acts chapter 1 verse 10, if they might have been the two same angels that went to Sodom. Listen to what it says there. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, remember Jesus had just ascended on high, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And remember they say, men of Galilee, why are you looking at the sky? You've got, you got, you got business to do now. Go yeah, back yeah. to Jerusalem. The same one who has gone this way, so he will return this way. And so um, my just hypothesizing through the various passages would be that these angels had the appearance of men, but at no point were they men. Yeah. At all. Right. Uh, I hope, uh, Oak uh, Jesu, I hope that uh, answers your question for you. Uh, Ikasa says we have to take a music break as well. We're going to listen to Anya and Enrico quickly. I'm with you. And when we come, we'll probably get another 10 minutes or so before we conclude this program. As jy vraag het, wat jy wil vraag, wil stuur 0265727729, stuur het vir ons, en uh, ons maak klaar met skrifteerlik net hierna. Thank you so much for all the responses on WhatsApp. Uh, quite an active number of people listening to this program this morning, and it's lekker om so saam met jou te kan kou. We'll be back right after. Mm, uh, with four minutes uh, to spare, uh, we've got another question, and uh, we've got a, a bit out of studio 5 uh, to 20. 12. Somebody with uh, the WhatsApp name of Psalms 1 that's asking this question. And I want to, Rocky, can we do a disclaimer here? Can we do a sideline remark? Because we're going to pose this question that this listener has posted here on WhatsApp. But th- this kind of thing can cause uh, curiosity that uh, can cause people to run away with it, and that should not be the intention. Anything that takes the, the focus off Christ, uh, I'm, I'm very wary of. So this person has asked the following, Ek wil net weet, is dit waar dat Adam a vrou gehad het? Onthou nou, is it true that Adam had a wife with the name of Lilith? And I'm not sure if I spell it correctly. Is it war that Adam a vrou gehad het? What do we make of something like this? Is there any truth in it? What does the word of God say? Where does this name even come from? And without making a big hype uh, around it, what are we to answer this listen? Yeah, um, the, the Bible contains no such account, nor even hints at the possibility of a different wife other than Eve. This this has come about, and, and I believe it's doctrines of demons okay. that has crept in, where people have added to God's word, which is what Satan's ploy has been from the beginning. Yes. Did God really say? Creating and a question creating mark. Creating a question mark and putting it in. And the question mark that people have brought in is because they they don't understand the way that the Hebrew has been written. So the same way that they did a gap theory between Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2, so they did the same thing regarding the sixth day of creation where God made Adam and Eve. But Genesis chapter 2 goes and explains in further detail how God made Adam and Eve. It it zooms in on day six of creation. And so what they've done is they've said, no, there must have been a different woman that was made in Genesis chapter one compared to the woman that was made in Genesis chapter two. And so there's been this mythological character purported to have been Adam's first wife, Lilith. And um, and this is absolutely false. It's doctrines of demons. And this Lilith, I believe, actually to be demonic in its in itself. The only time that the word Lilith appears throughout the whole of the Old 
Old Testament in the Hebrew is found in Isaiah chapter 34 verse 14. And it says this, And the desert creatures will meet with the wolves. The hairy goat also will cry to its kind. Surely the night creature, and that's how the LSB translates Lilith, the night creature, will obtain relief there and will find itself a resting place. And I, and I do think that Isaiah writing at this time would have taken and then specifically chosen this word Lilith because there is a different term for the word owl and there would have been Sumerian um, type of tradition regarding this idea and so Lilith had this it was either this night hag or referred referred to in, in Isaiah 34 verse 14 and and I, and I think that there now we, we, we again are hypothesizing to a degree there is this Hebrew mythology where Lilith was this female demon in a sense and and I think that it's altogether possible that Isaiah was speaking of this Lilith in that same way and it's the only time that Lilith is ever mentioned in the Bible but the the Bible clearly states that the first woman that was ever made was Eve and that Eve was Adam's wife right. and never ever mentioned something of this idea of a Lilith or of this person that was a or this demonic kind yeah. of an entity that was his actual first wife. Now, there are Talmudic teachings that believe that according to the rabbis, the Lilith is this nocturnal specter in the form of a beautiful woman that carries off children at night and destroys them. And there's there's, there's whole lots of this kind of demonic oppressive stuff this you know blood sucking individual yeah. that you know but all of this and it's been there's been a lot of mythology regarding this but what we need to be clear of is stay to what the bible says yes stick to what the truth says and to not get carried off into these myths and so what i would leave our listener with even as we think through this is ephesians 6 verse 11 to 13 because here's what the christian needs to do it says this put on the full armor of god so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. What this idea is, even, of Adam having a wife other than Eve, a Lilith, what that is is a scheme of the devil. What should the Christian do? Put on the full armor of God, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of it, of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. And why I say that is so true for even now is that, we need to be putting on the full armor of God and be pray, prayerful before him. In the last hundred years or so, there's been a resurgence of something called neo, um, neo-gnosticism. Yeah. And neo-gnosticism is bringing a lot of confusion into our day. And, this is, and the occult as well has done this also. And, and, and what I would say too, in the 1960s, Lilith started to become an image for the feminist movement. Yeah. Because they believed that this Lilith actually left Adam inside and... and what they've done is they've turned it from this demonic force into a symbol of female masculinity, if mm-hmm. you wish. And so Lilith has become a big thing in the last hundred years. And for the church, we should not be confused by this. Put on the armor of God. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stick to what the Bible says. 
Christ and Christ alone. And just a word of warning, don't hop on the information highway now to go and delve and find out more about the doctrine of demons. Be careful of that. Keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Rocky, time to love and leave you. Thank you, my brother. Bless you. Thank you so much. Can you believe it? One hour gone into all eternity. People want to be in touch with you. Write your email. Maybe got some questions. Where can they get hold of you? A pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za Till next time, all that's uh, left to say uh, is, uh, yeah, Oak Jesus says, thank you so much for the answer. I understand more about angels now. Blessings in abundance. Time to love and leave you. And uh, next week, God willing, we'll be bringing you some more scriptural questions and uh, answers out of God's word. Remember, there's a huge responsibility with what you've heard here this morning. The onus is on you now to go and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. If you want to be in touch with Rocky, it's pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za. And uh, till next time, all that's left to say is keep well, God bless you, and shalom.